Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around. Snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. My guest today is Cynthia Kane. Cynthia is the founder and CEO of the Kane Intentional Communication Institute, the leading communication institute that provides services to individuals and companies to improve their communication skills. Cynthia uses her proprietary process called the Kane Intentional Communication Practice to help her students experience more peace so that they show up authentically in their most important relationships. She is the author of How to Communicate Like a Buddhist, Talk to Yourself Like a Buddhist, and How to Meditate Like a Buddhist, and was named by Yahoo as the number two communication coach to watch in 2021. She and her work have been featured in national and international publications, including Spirituality and Health Magazine, Self Magazine, Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, The Washington Post, Women's Day, and so many others. Truly, the list is endless. (laughs) Cynthia has a Bachelor's of Arts degree from Bard College and a Master's of Fine Arts degree from Sarah Lawrence College, and she lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband and two small kids. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome to the pod. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Let's start by hearing about how you got into the work that you do. Yeah. Tell us your story. What's my story? So my story is I got here in a really roundabout way. I didn't ever think that this would be the work that I would be doing in the world. So I used to be really passive aggressive, really judgmental, very reactionary where like everything was like the worst possible scenario or the most incredible scenario. You sound like you used to be a teenager. Yeah, I did. That then continued into well into my 20s and into my 30s and didn't seem to want to leave. Yeah. And I would walk away like I hated confrontation, was really good at, you know, rolling my eyes, slamming doors, Mm -hmm. all the things. And I thought that this was just the way that people communicated or that people interacted. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a sense then that it was causing a lot of complicated relationships for me. And I had been with my first love for about seven and a half years, and we had decided to go our separate ways. 
believing that the universe would bring us back. It did bring us back like four years later. And we talked about a lot of what the issues were in our relationship had to do with communication. And we decided, okay, we're going to be in each other's lives again. Let's like figure this out. And then he passed away unexpectedly four months later. And so that moment when I got the phone call, he was a river rafting guide. He was from Costa Rica and he got caught in a swell and he drowned. And when I got that information, my whole world just crumbled. Like everything kind of just went blank. And um, I really had no concept of who I was, what I was. I was very confused as to how the world was continuing. Well, I wasn't. And all I wanted in that time period was somebody to just save me, to like come in and be like, this is how you live in the world. Mm -hmm. And this is how you go forward. And I realized that nobody could. I had to do it myself. And so that's what kind of pushed me to, you know, start reading, going to lectures, seminars, retreats, coaches, like everything. And all that I was learning was wonderful. What I was picking up though, is that so much of enjoying my time here had to do with communication, but I couldn't figure out because I knew that if I wanted to change how I was living in the world, I was going to have to change how I was connecting with other people. And then that meant that I was going to have to change how I connected with myself, but I didn't really have any sense of like how to do any of that. And a friend of mine recommended a writing and meditation retreat at the Shambhala Institute when I lived in New York. I went and that weekend completely changed my life. That's where I learned meditation and really it being like the first place where I was able to let myself be as I was without being angry at myself or being able to experience like sadness and heartache and anxiety and fear and beauty, joy, excitement. Mm. And like, it was just a really fascinating experience. And it felt really good. I didn't know what was happening, but it was feeling really good. And then that's where I learned the elements of right speech in Buddhism, which are tell the truth, don't gossip, use helpful language, and don't exaggerate. And I thought, whoa, this is it. Like, this is my way out. This is what is going to make everything better for me. And I thought, okay, this all seems simple. But then I woke up like, how in the world do I do this? Like, how do Mm -hmm. I speak in a kind, honest, and helpful way? And so that's really where this practice came from. It's how it began. It is a practice. It's a daily practice. It's not something you do once and you're like, oh, I'm not ever going to like yell at my kids or become passive aggressive again. Like it is a daily thing. And yeah, so then I started writing about the work that I was doing and then how to communicate like a Buddhist was born and then started teaching it and seeing it change just as it had changed my relationships, Mm -hmm. change others. And then the other books were born and then, you know, courses and all the things came from that. So it all came about in that way. Mm -hmm. I will say that like without this practice of communication or without being very conscious of communicating, I really don't think that I would be able to handle parenting so well. (laughs) I mean, listen, (laughs) I really think that it would be much more difficult than it is. And it still is right. Challenging. That's how I got here. Well, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate your story and specifically that 
question of how do I be in the world in this grief that I'm living in? And I think that can show up in so many different ways, right? That piece around like life is uncertain. We can't know what is going to show up. And I'm thinking of a few clients of mine right now who, in the context of parenting teenagers, are coming into some knowledge around their teens that is sending them into a place of grief and how to be in grief about someone who still exists in front of them. But it's, I think this happens a lot, you know, as our kids get older, that place of whether it's innocence lost, or I never thought this was going to be something we'd have to navigate, or you're not who I thought you were, or just a variety of things that can come up that do come up unexpectedly. And then we have to sit with it and be with it. And can you say those four things, the right speech Mm -hmm. pillars, will you say those things again? Mm -hmm. So it's don't gossip, use helpful language, tell the truth, and don't exaggerate. Mm. Just thinking about how useful those are as pillars for all of us in all of our relationships. Yeah. Especially for my listeners who are parents of tweens and teens. And, you know, this period of time really gives us lots of opportunity to practice Mm -hmm. not reacting. Yeah. And fear is really real. And hearing you talk about the daily practice of living up to those pillars while also the daily practice of tempering or moving away from, or even recognizing the conditioning and the reactivity and the humanness that is also simultaneously happening for us. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Tell us a little bit more about your work and how it supports us. I talk about it as a pause. I would love to know how you talk about it. Like, creating that space between whatever's triggering or stimulating and how we respond or react. How do we develop that space between so that we can make a more conscious choice? Yeah. So that's really the piece that I think when people think about communication, they usually think about just like speaking and listening. But for my work, it is truly, it all begins with you, like yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there are practices to start doing to be able to access like what you call the pause, what I call like the space, basically, like in between, right? That you then get to make that choice to continue in the same way or not, right? Within your interaction. So it all begins with really listening to yourself. So you're first starting to understand and pay attention to your default reactions, right? Mm -hmm. So you were just talking like, this is our human nature, right? Like we just react. That is what we are meant to do. Like we feel threatened. We feel uncomfortable in some way. We're like, oh, I'm just going to save myself in this moment. And so this is how my body, this is how my mind knows to do that, right? And all of us have different ones. And, you know, usually they're either we lash out, we get passive aggressive, we shut down, we get quiet. We get dismissive. Maybe we over-explain things or we start making excuses. Some of us just like, we just walk out, right? Mm -hmm. All of us can do all of those things too. One can start it like a domino effect of all the others. And that's just our natural human reaction. But the first piece is to understand one, that that's 
totally normal to have the reactions. And most of us don't want them. We're like, I just want to stop being mean, or like, I just want to stop yelling, or I just want to stop, you know, walking out the door or slamming the door. And with this work, it's really important to honor that, to be able to be like, oh, cool. Okay, great. This is good information for me to know. So first you figure out what is my default reaction? And then you're like, okay, this is what it is. Great. Then there's a sensation attached to that. So sensation isn't feeling. Sensation is like in the body, right? Mm -hmm. So in the body, if you think of a difficult interaction that you've had with your child, where you've gone into your default reaction, there's a sensation that's happening. So either maybe like your heart beats faster, your palms start sweating, or like you start swallowing more, or maybe your jaw is like really tight, or maybe you just feel like sick in your stomach, right? But there's a sensation. So you listen for that sensation. So once you hear that sensation, that's your like, ah, moment, because Mm -hmm. that is telling you, right? I'm about to interact in this way. So I'm about to get passive aggressive. I'm about to lash out. I'm about to shut down. And in that moment, what we usually do is we go outward, right? And we're like, I can't believe they just did this. Why can't they just be more like so-and-so? Or why are they doing this to me? Right. Like, I think parents of teenagers were really good. My daughter's very good at this. Mom, Mm -hmm. this is not about you. Right. But I think like that's a place too where we turn it like, how could they do this to me? Right. And so we're like outwardly focused. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, instead, when we notice that, it's like, okay, what we need to do instead is soothe ourselves because we're feeling Mm -hmm. something. Like we're feeling Mm -hmm. stupid, we're feeling angry, we're feeling misunderstood, we're feeling invisible. There's all these things. And so our work in that moment is to come and be like, oh, hey, you're feeling this right now it's okay. We've got you. We're here. Right. Like, and you like find a way to access rest in the body in that moment, right. To soothe yourself in the moment. And so often I'll like rub the inside of my hand or some Mm -hmm. people will like, you know, squeeze their fist and push it in or like rub your chest. Your body has to understand that it's safe, right? Because Mm -hmm. we were just talking about like that default reaction. That's like from the fight, flight, freeze, right? So our whole body is like pumped with cortisol and we're like, oh my gosh, we're feeling threatened. Mm -hmm. Your body has to understand that it's in a safe place. So then you get to be like, all right, this is all happening in your mind, by the way, like in your head. And you're like, we're good. We've got this. We're okay. Everything's fine. Just take a breath. And then you take a breath and you're like, what are my hands doing? What are my feet doing? What's my belly doing? You access the present moment. And then, then you can look at your child, right? Like, then you can really see clearly. Then you have access to everything you need to consciously decide, how do I want to engage and interact in this moment, right? Mm -hmm. So many people will come to me and they'll be like, people are just like, just pause or like, you know, take a breath. And it's like, there's more that has to happen to access the pause, right? So that is how you access that space to then be able to choose, right? How you engage. But it is a practice. You have to first, like you take a week and you just practice sensation. You take Mm -hmm. another week and you practice like witnessing and observing your default reaction and your sensation. And then a week practicing talking to yourself differently, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it becomes kind of more natural. Yeah. 
slowly over time, the more you practice, right? This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I love this, Cynthia. It's really similar. It's you know super validating to me to get to talk to people on the podcast and realize like, oh, good. I'm on the right track with what I tell parents. <laughs> so yay, thanks for the validation. Yes. I so appreciate this. And I really want listeners to hear that first piece around awareness. You know, when we're talking about our young kids, you know, I am a positive discipline trainer. And one of the things we teach parents is about the brain in the palm of the hand, Dan Siegel's work. And we have a little video for parents and asking our younger kids, well, how does it feel in your body when you're mad? Right. And we can recognize in that context why it's useful to heighten a child's awareness around that. But somehow we aren't connecting the dots around why it's useful for us 
yeah. too. And I know, you know, when I think about my default reaction, it's like a really tight jaw and a really tight chest. Mm-hmm. And that's when my passive aggressive, resentful, yeah. bitchy wife basically is usually where <laughs> that's the area. That's the relationship that I've been working on shows up and a storyline of blame, yeah. outward facing storyline of blame. I'm doing everything right. You're doing everything wrong. Right. Recognizing that I'm there. I love the soothing of self. And I really appreciate the use of the word we. Because I feel like there's our essence, our true self, and then there's our ego. So there really is a we going on, right? And I would love to geek out a little bit on that because I think it's so fun when we start to pay attention to that because I think so many people are walking around accepting the ego as our true nature. And really, it's just this like wild thing, Mm -hmm. wild identity that can sometimes start calling the shots and getting us into a lot of trouble. So how do you explain, you know, the we to the clients that you work with? How do you help them to kind of discover that? Like there's the hard self, right? That we all kind of have. And that's the self that wants to solidify things. It wants to control things. It like wants to make solid what is not, right? And I mean, I find Buddhism really interesting, but like one of the things in Buddhism is this idea of no self, right? It's not saying that we don't have a sense of self, but what it says is that basically, if you imagine like a river, we're like a river, right? We are full of like rocks and leaves and sticks, and it's constantly in motion. Like that saying, you never step in the same river twice because it's constantly in motion. It's constantly in process, right? And it's so hard for us to not want to freeze the river, right? Mm-hmm. Or like for not want us to like make it a solid thing that we can just hold. And that's often what we're trying to do in these situations, right? Yes. And so the awareness, like what you were talking about is so important because it's this awareness that in the moment, like your fists are closed, right? Like you are hard as a rock, right? Like my son... I forget what it comes from, but he calls it like rock brain and like you're hard as a rock in that moment. Right. And so Mm -hmm. the idea is, can you soften? Can you open your palms to the other person? Can you open your palms to yourself? Right. Like, can you reach your hands out to somebody else? Like, can you let yourself just be in process? Mm -hmm. And when we are able to just allow ourselves to be as we are in that moment and nurture it. It's like in meditation, right? When you have a difficult or an uncomfortable sensation come through, like the want is to push it away, right? Like the want is to want to fix it or like make it better or change it. And instead our job in that moment is to nurture it. It's to be like, oh, come here and like, kind of like treat it like a little puppy. And you're just like, oh, hey, right. And it's the same in this situation. Like our default is to get hard and want to control and want to like sit in that place of, I know better. Right. And it's like, oh, I'm seeing that I'm doing that. I got to like, can I just open my palms right now? Can I just let myself know we're okay. We can access that soft place. We can be in motion. It's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. I love the visual of the river when I think about it in the context of the teens, because 
having been through some pretty big stuff with my own teens, supporting others, going through things with their teens, like thinking about, you know, the choices and the mischief and the things that come up during the teen years as those big, you know, sometimes they're entire trees, right? Sometimes they're just sticks. But the idea, I think we like to hold on to this idea that we can dam it up, right? Like we can somehow dam it up so that the trees won't come down the river or the sticks won't come down the river. And I love this idea of what if, you know, like the river's always changing, you know, it's always changing. And even when, you know, I live in Western Washington, so, and have lived on rivers and sometimes the water's really high and the debris is insane while other times it's really low and everything feels really calm. And it's such a great metaphor for moving through the teen years. And it's a season in and of itself made up of many seasons, right? And so that ebb Mm -hmm. and flow of their journey is real. And if we can be, you know, just carrying on with the metaphor here, you know, if we can appreciate that the water will go down and the debris will take care of itself while also recognizing, hey, we should put up some sandbags. Like, yeah, I mean, there's form to a river, right? Right, right. Like there's some things we could be doing here to support this season, right? Right. Of course, it's not about like, good luck with the river. Hopefully there's not a lot of damage, (laughs) but I just really appreciate that idea of there's always movement. Like even in your story of losing your love, which I'm really sorry Mm -hmm. that you lived Mm -hmm. through that. And I see the beauty and the gifts Mm -hmm. and the opportunity that you've created and leaned into because of the experience that you went through. You know, the same is true with our kids. They're going to go, they're going to fail classes. They're going to try and maybe even use for a while substances that we don't want them to use. They're Mm going to have sex. Yeah. Like they're going to do the things because this is when they do them. Yeah. And if we can remember that they're in a constant flow, like they are continuously growing and we get to tend to self and, you know, remember to soothe and to find that pause and be really thoughtful. Mm -hmm. It can transform the experience, even when it's shitty it can transform the experience. Well, and that's the beautiful thing, right? Like with compassion, most people think that it's just being kind, but it really is sitting in the suffering with somebody else. It's like Mm -hmm. sitting next to someone who is suffering and just holding them and just being there with them. And it's so hard. It's an active practice, right? Like it is so hard to do that because our true nature is to like want to fix it, to make it better, to make it easier. And it's like everything in your body is going to be like, do that. Make this solid. Yeah. Make this solid. And your work is to be like, uh, no, I'm going to make this fluid. I'm going to open my arms to this. I'm going to see, can I hold this as it is? And it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to do. Yet what's wild is like how much connection it creates mm-hmm. and like how much more trust it builds, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use the iceberg metaphor, right? So all the behaviors that we don't love at the tip of the iceberg, but behavior is purposeful. And typically behavior is a solution to a problem that we don't know about. And then we find out, oh my gosh, my teen is 
in pain and is suffering and is using alcohol or is using weed or is using, you know, relationships to make sense of or live with this pain and suffering. And it's so interesting to be someone like to be a supporter of that parent and to help them like shift their focus from, but how do I get them to stop doing this thing into let's connect with compassionately. Let's sit with the pain that they're feeling. Yeah. And now that I'm saying it out loud, it's like, it doesn't feel like we're doing anything. Right. It doesn't feel like quote doing anything about the behavior when we come in from that direction. And yet that's what it's all about. That's what's ultimately going to make the biggest difference. Yeah. Because with that, your child has to work through so much on their own to get Mm -hmm. to a place where they want to stop doing something, right? Like we can't force that. And so for them to understand that they have somebody in their corner who's with them, I mean, that's so powerful. It helps the healing go faster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's messy and it's the river. So messy. It's the river. It's gross in there sometimes, but yeah, you know. Yeah. And it takes time, maybe a lot yeah. of time. And, you know, I say to my clients, like, I would love to tie this up with a neat little bow for you, but. Would be lovely. Yeah. It's just not a thing. Yeah. That's like my students want things in the sense of like saying the right thing. Yeah. I just want to say the right thing. And it's like, you cannot say the right thing. Like there is no right thing or Mm -hmm. a wrong thing. Once you start into this work, you end up knowing what to say. Once you reach that place of, you know, like authenticity or like currency. Yeah. And I think it's really, and we're going to talk about authenticity. I think it's really powerful too, to recognize that you may be in a situation where you're saying, I don't know how to respond to this. Right. Yeah. And that's a valid response. That's a beautiful way to respond. Because then it gives your child the ability to model that behavior too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And know that that's okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, for sure. And I talk a lot about authenticity with my clients and here on the podcast. Teenagers have fine-tuned bullshit radars. And by the way, they've been our children, you know, for me, 17 and 20 years. No one knows me better than my kids. Yeah. I mean, like they know when I'm walking in with an agenda, a response that I want to hear. And like you said, with the communication, like authenticity is a daily choosing in, right? It feels like exposing myself, right? But it also feels, it's like such a relief that I just get to be real. And I feel like when we can show up as authentic, it opens a door to our kids being authentic with us, which is what we want. I mean, we call it, we just want them to be honest. Really, we want them to be able to be authentic, which by the way, if you're going to invite that in, be prepared because it can be a lot to hold, Yeah, right? It can be a lot to hold. What does authentic mean to you? And why do you find it as an important piece of the work that you do? And how can we get better at it? Yeah. So to me, I think being authentic really means being congruent. So it means your insides match your outsides, right? And so often within communication, our insides do not match our outsides, right? It's like the classic example of when somebody's like, what's wrong? And you're like, nothing, you know, and the other person is like, obviously something's wrong. And you're like, no, I'm totally fine. Everything's good. 
right? But like, you're not fine. And that's one thing people ask all the time. Well, people will say my tone of voice is off. And the reason is because you are off, right? Like your tone would not be off if you were being congruent, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you were being authentic. And so it's really important because it's just adding a layer of confusion that mm-hmm. is not necessary, that just causes so much misunderstanding and it requires so much work, you know, and it's much easier. There's definitely like the fear around it, right? Because we have a lot of fear of what the other person's reaction will be to it. So once we start doing it and it doesn't have to start in the, like these big grandiose ways, right? But like once we start actually listening to ourselves and trusting ourselves, and then acting on what we're hearing, then we begin to build that confidence to be able to express ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to say, that was really hurtful, right? Like the way that you just said that to me, that was really hurtful. Could you tell that to me in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of being like, Ugh, I can't believe you're talking to me like this again. Like I can't stand it, you know, or right. whatever. How we dare got. you? Right. How dare you? And I think the best place to start with being congruent is really small. It's like, and it's not necessarily in your relationship with your kids, right? It could be just going to Starbucks or a coffee shop, a local coffee shop. And, you know, you want a soy decaf latte and they give you a caffeinated latte and you're like, don't they know what'll happen? It's middle of the afternoon. Right. Or they give you a <laughs> coffee with just like the different milk, you know, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal. It's fine. No worries. It's fine. No, it is. Right. Like it's important to you. Right. It's yeah. something inside of you that you wanted and you expressed and then you didn't receive. And so it starts with something even that small of being able to go back to the barista and be like, you know what? Actually, I ordered a decaf oat milk latte, not a soy latte. Could you change that for me? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yeah, right there it begins. And then you then move into your relationships with your children, right? Or your spouse or whomever. And the next thing you know, you're suddenly like, you know, I can't talk to you right now because I'm feeling so much frustration that I need to just go take a minute. And when I'm ready, I will come back. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I love that too, because what you just highlighted are the two extremes, right? One being like, how dare you screw up my latte? Mm -hmm. And the other one being like, well, I don't want anybody to feel bad right? or it's too uncomfortable for me. And I think as parents of teens, we, when listeners, wouldn't you say like, we fall into both of those places. We don't want our kids to freak out because who knows what'll happen. So we are incongruent or we've lost our mind (laughs) and we're freaking out and we're incongruent. And so coming back to what you shared around tending to self, right? And recognizing our awareness. So is authenticity who we are when we're regulated? Yes. Okay. It's when you're at rest. When you're at rest. Yeah. That is your place. Yeah. Like that's really important to make that distinction, right? I think that it could be said, obviously, erroneously, but it could be said like, well, this is just who I'm pissed. So I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Right. This is my authentic self in the moment. But that's not your highest self. 
Right. No, this is you're hijacked. You've right. been hijacked, yeah. right? You're hanging on to a log on the river yeah. and let the log take you down the river, yeah. right? And that, and that tone, right? Like if the tone is like, well, this is just who I am. Like that is right. not who you are, right? Right, like, right. You want like a clear channel. It's like I often talk about like you've got water in like at the top of the head, it should come right out. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't get stuck anywhere in the body. It should just come right out. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Yeah, I think that's really key. So, you know, that a couple things that you language pieces that you said that I took note of, like your insights matching your outsides. Mm -hmm. And I was on a call with a client recently and she said, you know, I realized that I had been thinking that I was regulated when I was talking to my daughter, but I realized all this time that just because I put up this calm front doesn't mean that I was regulated. And now I'm learning how to be better at that. And she's responding better. Like to me, that's an energetic way to go, Casey. Yeah. Well, that was her, you know, her good word. That's her word. Guided by you. That's great. Guided by me. I'll take that credit. But really it's so big. And I'm thinking specifically of a couple of other clients that I have, like I mentioned before, who have kids that are you know, going through some stuff and encouraging them, you know, and they so want to know what to say. Yeah. They want to know what to say to get to the outcome that they want, (laughs) which is thank you, mom, Mm -hmm. for explaining this all to me. And now I won't do this thing anymore. And yeah, 
you know, when I think about that, it's like, that's a lovely desire. But again, we don't control what's floating down the river, but we can certainly decide how we're going to show up to that flood, how we're going to show up and who we're going to be for them. And are we going to be a space where our kids are going to share with us and process what they're going through? Because if that's the case, then this authenticity, this tapping into our highest way of being is a place that's going to, like you said, build trust and build safety for them too. Safety, I think is the, like, that's what we're all really needing, like on both sides right? That feeling, you know, everything's okay. Nothing is wrong. All of our needs are met. And everything's uncertain. Yes. At the same time. <laughs> so just be okay with that. Just be yeah. okay with the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. Just deal with it people. Okay. Cause it is the reality. We all went through this fucking pandemic. We know yeah. weird yeah. stuff happens. It does. It does. Do you have any practices around that, around that being, you know, there's that heightened when you're really confronted by the uncertainty and realizing like, oh God, I don't really actually have any control over this. And that I can even just saying it, like it's like this little whirlpool in my body that kind of spirals up my energy channels. What are some practices that you have that could support parents who are really in that like Mm -hmm. crisis? Oh God, what's happening? So one is definitely sitting with that sensation, right? So it's not trying to push that sensation away. It's not trying to be like, there's something wrong because I don't know how to fix this or because this isn't being fixed or I have no idea what's ahead of me or what's behind me or what's inside of me. Like I'm just floating. I have no anchor right now Mm -hmm. and it's understandable, right? So first it's like, it's understandable that I'm feeling this way, right? Mm -hmm. And it's okay that I'm feeling this way. There's nothing wrong with feeling this way. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit here with this feeling and I'm going to follow the sensation of this feeling. I'm going to feel the discomfort. I'm going to feel the like beating energy that it is. And I'm just going to follow it through my body. And you close your eyes and you put your attention on it wherever it exists and you just follow it. But your attention is like a gentle attention right? And it's not trying to do anything with it. It's just letting it be there. Mm-hmm. And that's one, I mean, like that is one practice that really just, it soothes it, right? And then the other, the other is to then start really thinking about some people call it like a surrender box or like, I have like a little box over here and the things that I really want that I feel really, really attached to Um, that I'm like pushing and needing or like feeling like it has to happen. And like, I get stuck with it. And like the want of it just like consumes me. Right. And it's like, I can't hold it anymore. So I write it down on a piece of paper and I just write down like my desire is this or something better. And then I write like whatever it is, like I really want Holden to have an incredible day today with the boys in his class. Mm -hmm. And then I just put it in the box. And there's something about that for me that gives it over to Mm -hmm. like the other element that I believe in, right. Mm -hmm. Which is like a spiritual element to it all. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much that I can do. And when I notice that like, 
I'm starting to like want for the uncertainty to be different. I just write down what I want and then I put it over there and then it's all gravy. It goes away. Oh, I love that. For me, this is just for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Both of those practices. And I think they'll be really useful to people that are listening. So thank you. Can I say one more thing to that actually? Yes, please. Sometimes what will happen if you sit in, if you sit with the sensation of it, it's not to like get down on it. I just want to, right? Because we can get stuck sometimes. So there will come a point where you end up asking yourself a question of like, how do I want to feel now, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling uncertain right now and I want to feel more certain, what are things I can do that can help me feel that way? Not necessarily in that situation, but maybe it's like, you know, I can, you know, do laundry and check the box, right? But like Mm -hmm. something that you can make tangible. So I just want to offer that as well. Yeah. You know, I think about that phrase, what you resist persists, like that emotion, that sensation wants to have its time and space. And it seems like that kind of practice really just allows it to exist. Yes. Like a swinging door, like Mm. the resistance, right? Like if you push it away, it just comes back. But if you just open the door to it, it'll just like, it'll just come in, go out, you know, come in, go out. Yeah. And I think we get to notice too, when we're stuck and ruminating, right? And it's like that same practice that you started at the top, like, Mm -hmm. okay, now my body is shaking. Like clearly I am really stuck here and that Mm self-soothing, recognizing the stories that we're telling ourselves and then asking that question of what do I need right now? What can I do Right. right now? Yeah. It's really useful. Oh my gosh. I love that we had a conversation about communication and really it's not about words. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) It really is. I mean, so much, especially when we're sharing space with adolescents, because so much is communicated from both sides energetically Mm -hmm. from both kids and the parents. I mean, what you want, what you expect, all of it, you know, and what you don't want, like they know we use words and oftentimes the words are what get us into trouble. And so I really appreciate Cynthia, the work that you do around really tuning into what it is that we want to communicate and who we want to be as we do it. I think that's such an important conversation to have for all of us, especially for those of us that are working on maintaining relationship through the turbulence of adolescence. So thank you so much for your work. Yeah, you're so welcome. Is there anything else you want to make sure that you leave listeners with today? Just understanding, I think that, you know, this isn't something that we're taught, right? And the beautiful piece about that, I think, is just that it's a learned practice, right? So in a lot of people will think it's not possible to change the way that they communicate, but it really is. I mean, if it's something that you can see is really affecting your relationships and it's something that you want to change, you can, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Now, is one of your books a recent publish? Are we here to promote one of your books? I'm working on my next book now, which won't be out. I mean, it's due into the publisher in June, so it won't be out for a while. Mm -hmm. But my last book came out in 2020. So like right when the pandemic came through. 
But yeah, how to communicate like a Buddhist is the one that really talks to a lot of what we've been talking about, just in terms Mm -hmm. of like the practice itself. And then talk to yourself like a Buddhist is more about how we communicate with ourselves in a kind of helpful way. And then the meditation is truly just to, to learn how to start with a practice that can be helpful to you. Right. It's like just nuts and bolts of it all. Yeah. So those are the books. Yay. I want to ask you, what does joyful courage mean to you? Mm, What does joyful courage mean to me? So what's interesting when I first think of joyful courage, I think of joyful exertion which in Buddhism is that I, the idea of like you're in flow, right? So you're doing like work or you're in relationship that feels like creative or easy or like you lose yourself in it. And so then when I think of joyful courage, I guess to me that is, it's courageous to be joyful, right? And I feel like it's, like the exertion piece is the courageous piece. Mm-hmm. Like, so I guess when I put it together in my mind, it is more being able to like have the courage to choose to be kind, honest and helpful in your interactions, right. Or the courage mm-hmm. to reframe the way that you're parenting or the courage to like admit even that things aren't, going the way that you want them to go and that you need help, right? Like mm-hmm. that to me, I guess, is what it is coming through. If that. Thank you. Where can people find you and follow your work? So people can find me at CynthiaKane.com or on Instagram at CYKane1. And I'm open to emails. I like getting emails from people. So you can email as well at Cynthia at IntentionalCommunicationInstitute.com. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Well, we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes, listeners. Cynthia, thank you so much for hanging out with me. You're welcome. I really loved it. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.